I want to share with you a truth that I am convinced of, sisters and brothers. And that truth is, God rejoices when we repent. Our repentance brings God joy because when we repent, we aren't just saying, oops, sorry Jesus, I messed up. I hope we're good now. When we truly repent, what we are doing is saying to God, actually, God, I recognize that where my way leads, but now I want to follow your way. When we repent, what we are doing is turning away from what we used to be and looking toward what God is making us to be. In our repentance, in our willingness to repent, there is our willingness to trust. To trust that God's way is the way. To trust that God's care is all we need. To trust in the name and in the power of Christ. When we repent, what we are doing is turning from us and turning toward God. And that brings God joy. And I say that because not only do I believe it's true, but I'm convinced there are many of us in the church that have this ferocious image of God. That God is just waiting to catch us. Waiting to watch us slip. Waiting for, waiting for that perfect moment just to give us that thump on the head of divine judgment. Waiting for us so that he can condemn us at any given moment. Sisters and brothers, let's be clear. Scripture talks about a final judgment. You find that over and over. There is a final judgment all of us will have to uh, see to one day. But in the meantime, there's a lot to celebrate before that. That God came to show us something about his love, not condemnation. In Luke 15, Jesus tells us three parables of lost things that were found. First, there was a a sheep. Then there was a coin, and then there was a son. Now, if you remember reading through Luke 15, those are pretty uh, familiar parables. What I want you to remember is that in each occasion, when what was lost was finally found, a celebration takes place. Rejoicing happens when the woman finds the coin. Rejoicing happens when the man finds his sheep and the father whose son was dead but is now alive, throws a party like hadn't been thrown in that household in a very long time. God celebrates when we repent. Y'all with me? But particularly for us today, we are reading the parable of the prodigal son. Again, a parable that I know many of you are familiar with. You can probably recite it forwards and backwards, upside down and all around. We remember the story of a son turning his back on his father and on his son. We remember the story who, who took it to his inheritance from his father before his father was even dead. In other words, saying, Dad, I don't need you. Dad, I don't want you. He took his inheritance and he went to a faraway land. And when he was in that faraway land, he used his inheritance for some wild living. 
He was the younger of the two sons. It probably shouldn't have even been his position to ask for it the way he did if he was going to ask for it at all. But there's a moment in the story when Luke says, I love how some translations put it, where he came to his senses. Maybe that's another way we can think about what repentance is. Coming to our senses. You ever tell your kids, what were you thinking? Luke says, or Jesus says in the story that there is a time when the son comes to himself. He comes to his sensing. And now that he's thinking straight, he decided to go back home and ask for his father's forgiveness. And knowing probably, maybe somewhat, that his father would take him back in, he was, he was committed at that moment to live the rest of his life as a servant of his father. But don't you know his father wouldn't have any of that. Amen? His father wasn't going to have any of that nonsense. And we know because as the son is rehearsing his forgiveness speech, as he's going over in his mind, man, when I see dad, this is what I'm going to say. I'm going to say it just like this. As he's rehearsing this and going over and over in his mind, his daddy sees him from far off. Did you catch that part of the story? From far away, his dad sees him. And his dad runs to him. It's the father's love that pursues the son. Y'all with me? It's the father's, father's love that keeps him waiting on the porch night and day, waiting, 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 waiting for his son to come home. Praying for his son to come home. And as his son is about to spit out these words about, you know what, I'm sorry, I did everything, I'm going to live as your, as your servant, his daddy sees him and says, I'll have none of that nonsense, thank you very much. He wraps his arms around him. And do you remember what happens next? That's right. He wraps his arms around him and he says, this is my son. And he turns and he says, now go get things ready for the party. This ain't no dollar store party either. You go to the good store and you get all the good stuff. Don't buy that meat that's been out three days. Go buy the good cuts because we're about to party. Y'all with me? Because God celebrates when we repent. Yeah. I mean, you know, always the other brother. But there are two things today that I want us to remember, two points in the story that I think mean something for us today in particular. Remember that we are in the middle of our discipleship emphasis, and we've talked about all these different practices, Bible reading, prayer, worship, giving. And today there's two points in the story that I think should mean a whole lot to us when we're talking about what this means for our discipleship today. And those two part points are when the son finally does come to his senses and when the father gets ready for the party. Now I'm going to show you those verses. It's part of the verses uh, real quick. Verse 17 says, But when he, the son, came to himself, he said, How many of my father's hired hands have bread enough and to spare? But here I am dying of hun hunger. And then in verse 22 it says, but the father said to his slaves, quickly, bring out a robe, the best one, for the son of mine was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. And they began to celebrate. Now, I want just, we're going to keep that up there for a second. Do you notice anything about those two verses? 
We remember the stuff. We remember the Father. Of course we remember the Father. Because it's the Father who welcomes us. But you know who else is in the story that sometimes we forget about? That's right. When the Son finally comes to his senses, remember what he says? Man, even my Father's servants eat better than this stuff. And when the Father is ready to throw the party, he turns to his servants and says, let Go have a party. All this time we've been forgetting, overlooking just how important the service of God are to the repentance of the Son and the celebration of the Father. Are y'all with me? Y'all know where I'm going, don't you? But hang on. We're going to go anyway, all right? We, we notice in here that you can't have the son's repentance, or the father's celebration without the work of the servant. Now, every once in a while, people ask me if I remember saying something in a sermon. And usually I have to confess, I don't remember saying that. But I'll tell them, is it good? Yeah, it was good. Then I said it. If it wasn't so good, I didn't say that. Stop misquoting me like that. There's a John Wesley quote that I'm sure many of you are familiar with. This is, this is, it's a good quote that we have. And and it goes like this. It says, do all the good you can, by all the means you can, in all the ways you can, in all the places you can, at all the times you can, to all the people you can, as long as ever you can. That's a great quote, amen? Amen. John Wesley didn't say it, but somebody said it. We accidentally attributed it to John Wesley, but... I can hear John Wesley saying this because it fits the mold of the Methodist movement so perfectly. Because Wesley understood that our life as the body of Christ, centered on Christ, is about ministry that we share as Christians. That ministry is an effort that we share as the body of Christ. You couldn't be a sideline Christian Wesley around. Wesley will call you out. Some of y'all don't believe that about preachers, but some preachers will do that. Amen? John Wesley would say, have you been living out your faith? No? Well, you need to go on until you start doing it. Oh, you shouldn't be like that. Have you ever read the Apostle Paul? The Apostle Paul had the same kind of attitude. I even believe Jesus had some of the same kind of attitude. Couldn't be a sideline Christian. The preacher came to preach. The preacher came to do communion. The preacher came to teach. But the work of the church was led by, it was prayed for, and it was fought through by the people of the church. There's no silly idea that we have today that ministry is the pastor's work. That's a lie from... So there's another quote that I keep handy that speaks to the truth. One day, I think often, I keep it on my desk. The early Methodists were more concerned about how to send people out rather than how to seduce them in. If you want to know what it meant to be a Methodist as our movement began, if you want to know even today what it means to be a Wesleyan Christian, a Methodist Christian, 
It's about holiness of heart and life. And it's about understanding that God has sent us to be servants of a celebration. God didn't, didn't get you saved. God didn't get you all where you are today so that we could just come here and sit and say, game over. We come together to worship God and to prepare ourselves to then get out of here and go be servants of a celebration. That's why I want you to hear me say, brothers, keep working for the glory of God. Because you don't know when the celebration is coming. You don't know when your work is going to be a witness or an inspiration for somebody else to come back to the senses. You don't know what's going to be that one act that you did in the name of Jesus Christ that somebody's going to say, holy moly, God's talking to me right now. And all I can think about is that face of that Kelseyite. I don't, I don't know why they were doing but but they were doing something. Well, I want to know more. Keep doing what we do for the glory of God. And usually when we have these kinds of talks, you hear from people, oh, well, Pastor John, I'm too old to do stuff. If you feel like you're too old, you need to talk to Simeon and Anna. You remember those two? Simeon and Anna, they were the old folks in the temple. And it says that they, they were old, but they did their work for the glory of God. If you ever feel too old, you talk to them. Oh, Pastor John, I don't have enough resources. I'm not rich like other people. Well, you need to talk to the poor widow that Jesus watched in the temple one day. All the rich people came and brought all their money. She could have easily said, oh, I don't have nothing. But she said, uh-uh. My God's bigger than this coin, but I'm going to give this coin, and God's going to work through it. Talk to her if you don't feel like you have enough resources. Oh, Pastor John, I'm nobody special. I just go to church, blah, 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 blah. Talk to the nobodies that Jesus chose that changed the world after his ascension. Oh, Pastor John, I don't have enough time. Well, you need to talk to the sermon, the psalmist who understood the prayer when he said, Lord, teach me to number my days. And then, I'll be real, some people will say, well, Pastor John, I just don't want to. What's my encouragement to you then? Repent. When you repent, God's not going to say, what took you so long? God's not going to say, all right, now you go stand in the corner until we know for sure. But when we repent, what's God going to do? May it be that we repent and that we set our minds to the work of God. Because who knows? We never know when a party is going to break out. Amen? Amen? Let's pray. Lord, we give you thanks because you are too good to us, God. Man, we, we know our attitudes, Lord. We, we know the kind of things that we think about, the kind of things that we've done. But we also know, we've been reminded today... God, if we repent, those things don't matter to you. We are children of God. Because that's what you call us. So help us, Lord, to hear the calling that you give us and to be prepared for the ways that we can serve you. All, Lord, for your glory. In the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. Amen. Yeah, amen.
Thanks be to God.